Commission. An instruction, command, or duty given to a person or group of people. Or, a group of people officially charged with a particular function. This week, we are talking about the Great Commission, how not to invite people to church, and why church tracks suck. Check it out. This is The Reckless Pursuit, a podcast crafted and created to dive deep into what it looks like to be a follower of Christ in a modern-day world. We span topics across the board to seek out truth and to gain a deeper understanding of one another, to find common ground and answers to life's hardest questions. We all have a story and a struggle, a calling and a conviction. Together, let's take a hard look at ourselves and effort to view what others see so we can be the best reflection of Christ possible. I'm Cody. And I'm Elaine. Now, let's get reckless. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 9 of The Reckless Pursuit. This week we are talking about something that happened to us last week at work. We were, or I wasn't there actually, one of our employees was in the coffee shop just tending to matters there and someone came in and bought a drink and then left and uh, we didn't think too much of it, you know, just normal thing that happens when you're selling stuff and this person came back, what, about 15 minutes later or so I think? I have no idea because I wasn't even in there. Okay. So from what she was telling us, she came back not too long after that and timidly uh, came and like approached her and she was like, yes, may I help you? And uh, this, this woman was said, uh, Hey, I have something for you and pulled out a little blue piece of paper and handed it to her and just kind of scurried out the door timidly. And when she opened up the little piece of paper, it was nothing more than a church tract. It was like the Romans way to heaven. And it had like a bunch of scripture from Romans about how to get saved and stuff. And I and our employee uh, was like, I thought I was going to get a tip or something. <laughs> yeah, so she was stuck with a church tract. And so we're going to be diving into that conversation today. The effectiveness of church tracts and a whole lot more than that. Uh, more or less just is it our responsibility to invite people to church and and how that all works and all that good stuff associated with with ministering to people and I guess kind of the epitome of the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But before we get into that, quick announcement from our episode sponsor, Cedar Temple Trade Company. They have a cool promo for you at the end of the episode or in the show notes below, an awesome discount. So be sure and check them out. I know they'd appreciate it, and I bet they have something you'd probably find pretty cool. So check them out. So let's get right into this. Elaine, are church tracks effective? Nope, they're annoying, and I think they're not effective at all. It doesn't get anybody saved, and I think it's just kind of weird. Let me just tell a little story here. Whenever I was a teenager, I don't know, 14 or 15, I was young. I couldn't drive yet. I was at a local like Christian bookstore type place. Like Christian, it wasn't like Mardell, it was, it was like a local one. And they had all kind of little stuff. They had up front on the register, they had this little section of church tracts. And they had one that looked like a $10 bill. And it wasn't like the full size, but it was like, uh, how much does it cost to get to heaven or something like that? And uh, it had like real kind of like a more of a money texture, you know, and like it looked it looked pretty legit once you folded it up. 
And I was like, oh, these are the coolest things ever. I can minister. I can just throw these things, you know, I can throw them out on the street or in Walmart or whatever, and I can minister to people. And so I got them, and uh, there was like 100 to the package or whatever. And I walked through Walmart, and I had them all folded, and I crunched them up and cranked them and tear, uh, tore some corners and stuff like that to make it look like, you know, worn-out money, and I'd toss That's them down. That's awful. I know. I'd toss them down around Walmart, and then I'd kind of, like, make the a slow loop and go check out the video game section or some kind of nerdy or, you know, the sporting goods and camping gear or whatever I was into at the time. And I would uh, circle back around and look and see how many of them got picked up. And... I always thought it was like the coolest thing when one was missing. I was like, yeah, I did my Christian duty. I ministered to someone today. So I was showing them to my dad like about a week or two after I got them. I'm like, hey, look at these things I bought for like $2 at the Christian bookstore. And he's like, what are they? And I was telling him about how it's like you can fold it up and make it look like money and you can throw it down. And then people would pick it up thinking it's money, but it's really Jesus. And it's even better than money. And he was like, Cody, we need to talk. And so my dad at the time was, he had recently come off like a church hiatus, I guess. When he was younger, he went to church. And then when he got into his young adult, like he didn't go as much. And then he had recently just started going to church again, maybe like the last year. And he told me, he said, uh, Cody, what if someone was really in a desperate situation and that $10 was what they needed to pay one of their bills? And they were praying to God, asking God, if you can just send me the money, you know, if you could just make a way. And they saw that, and they honestly thought that it was the the thing that they needed to pay their bill, and they reached out, it's just a church track. Do you think they're going to be happy with God, that God gave them some kind of sign, or do you think they're going to be upset? And I said, well, they'd probably be upset, you know? And he's like, even less extreme, if... If you thought you were finding $10 and it was really just a church tract, is that going to lure you to go and and find Jesus? And I was like, probably not, you know, embarrassed. I feel like, it'd, like I would think it would be full of lies. <laughs> right. And so I ended up throwing them all away or sticking them in the closet or something like that, feeling defeated and like I got gypped for my 2 or $3 that I spent on them. And I never used them again. And my dad was completely right because I want to say it was like a year or two later, I was walking through the store and I was like, sweet, $10 laying on the ground. And I reached down and picked it up. And sure enough, it was one of those same stinking church tracks like I used to throw out. And I was mad. I was like, crap. I thought I was going to get, uh, you know, a free sandwich today or a free, uh, free lunch or something. And no, it was just a stinking church track. You were bamboozled. Track. Yes. <laughs> And so church tracts, interesting. So just like what we were talking about, uh, one of our employees was handed a church tract. And this was not your normal church tract either. It was it was like very a little pamphlet. Yeah, it was like a full three page pamphlet. Um, but it was weird because it had like it, so this is what was weird about it. It had like all the normal stuff you'd imagine to find on a church tract. The like this is what the Bible says about death. This is what the Bible says about heaven and hell and forgiveness. And like, you know, here's a little prayer you can say to accept Christ as your savior. But then it had on the back, it had like a little box you could feel like to fill out. And it had this uh, area where it's like, write your name and your address and send this into us. If you decided to give your life to Christ. And I thought that was so informal. Like, 
this is what we have watered down the Great Commission to is is to just go and hand someone a little blue piece of paper and think you've done your religious duty. And like that's just a wild thought to me because I just I don't think a little pamphlet does anything. And it's it's funny because I actually told her later I was like, if she would have handed that to me and I realized what it is, I probably would have stuck it in the tip jar, gave her a big smile, and said, "Thank you very much." You know, I have friends who because you're a smart aleck. I am a smart aleck. <laughs> I know, but I have a lot of friends who have worked in food and. Uh, food industry and they always hated Sundays because so many of them would get a dollar bill shoved down into a church track. And a lot of them are Christians and they're like, thanks, you know, like your $1 in your church track sure saved my life. You know, I may freeze to death cause I can't pay my electric bill, but you know, thanks for your dollar and your church track. That's, I mean, a lot of that kind of stuff, like, are you ever going to go there? No. Like this poor woman you know, she may have been terrified of the idea of even handing that piece of paper, but it's such an informal thing. I mean, would you ever go to a church like that where someone just came up and handed you a tract and scurried out the door? She has no relationship. There's nothing, there's no basis there for any kind of communication for the future. There's just this little box where you can fill it out and mail it in. They don't even give you a stamp. You got to pay to mail the stupid thing in. And then on top of that, on the back, it was like the church's name, and then it was just like this list of these dogmatic terms like premillennial, premillennialism, uh, Fundamental. fundamentalist, uh, Bible conservative, Bible-believing church. And I was like, if you don't know who Jesus is, what on earth are these terms going to mean to you? You're going to look at this and you're either going to be confused out of your brain thinking that you just got handed a cult pamphlet in which cults use a lot of those pamphlets too, so you got to think about that too. Like, are you really doing a lot of good? Well, that doing... and like, I didn't even know what pre-millennial meant. Like, I didn't either. And kind of look it up. I'm a freaking licensed and ordained minister, and yeah. I didn't even realize what that was talking about. So, I mean, a lot of this crap is so silly. Like, why is this advertising? You'd either laugh it out of the building, you would be confused out of your brain. Or like, just angry. Yeah, like, I don't see any good circumstance coming from you getting this little blue piece of paper. The only thing I could feasibly imagine is if an hour before that you were praying, God, just give me this bold-faced sign. And in that one circumstance, maybe someone handing you a little church tract pushed you in the right direction. But you'd have to be so close to the edge that you're. it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, scratching for something. You could have... Someone could have smiled at you, and that could have been your sign at that point. You know, like, a church tract isn't going to do anything. If, if in my opinion, the culture we're currently in, I think church tracts probably do more harm than good. I know there's a lot of people who are hurting or are angry at Christians in the church, and, like, there are some people who honestly, like, want to follow God, but, like, because of all of the... Like you said, terms that we don't even like know half the meanings of and stuff, and like saw that they would just be really confused and angry even more at God, and like thinking, well, if this is what it's like, you know, just to be thrown a piece of paper with scripture on it, you know, that's not really anything important to me, and then just throw it away. Right. Well, I think the biggest thing with that is too is like let's take a second and talk about the Great Commission. You know, it's Therefore, go and make disciples. 
literally the great commission, which is like, you know, the end all be all the thing that we are supposed to do to further Christianity as a whole is go and make disciples. How did Jesus make disciples? And like he sought them out and like had relationships with them. Right. Exactly. He took these people under his wing and day and night he was there for them. Discipleship is not made in a classroom. Discipleship will never be made in a congregation. Discipleship is only made one-on-one. The only way you can disciple someone, or if you want to use a more modern term, the only way you can mentor someone is one-on-one. You can teach someone in a classroom setting, but the only way to mentor someone, for them to have an understanding of who you are and you to have a deeper understanding of who they are, is a one-on-one relationship. And for someone to come into a coffee shop at someone's work— Okay, let's put this into perspective. We work at a ballpark. We see, you know, thousands of people a day walk by, you know, by there. And on any given day, we serve hundreds, you know, if not thousands. And so, you know, you're sitting here in this coffee shop. You're a, what, 16, 17, or 17 or 18 year old girl. And some lady walks in, hands you a church pamphlet, and it was like, okay, that's all I have for you, thanks, bye, and leaves and scurries out the door. What if you're actually going through something? What if that was her prime opportunity to actually talk and create a relationship there? What if that was her prime saying just like, you know, just to, just a smile and to say, I appreciate you. That goes so much further. That's a better seed planted in someone than to hand someone this little pamphlet. We live in the United States of America. I would be willing to bet that pretty much everyone in America, I understand there's exceptions to this, I understand there are a few that probably don't, but most everyone in America knows who Jesus is. They may not have a relationship with him, but they know who he is. It's kind of like uh, my relationship with Barack Obama or Donald Trump. I know who they are. I can go online and find out all I want to know about these two people. And more. Yeah, yeah, no joke. And I can be a scholar in presidents and, you know, in our last few presidents. I can know their baggage, their deepest, darkest secrets. I can know the the great one-liners they've said and the good, the bad, and the ugly. But I don't have a relationship with them. I don't know who they are personally. I only know who they are through what other people tell me. And I can have someone hand me a little piece of paper that says, hey, get to know Donald Trump. And I'm going to look at it like it's propaganda. You know, it's just another little thing that someone's trying to sway my vote. And that's exactly how I'm going to, and maybe I'm cynical, a little more cynical than others, but that's exactly how I'm going to look at a church pamphlet when someone hands it to me. It's, it's going to be the exact same thing. I'm going to look at it and say, oh, someone else trying to sway my vote because they want my money. Well, and the interesting thing about this specific one is like, on the back of it had like where you can locate the church and their different ministries and the times and like they for their Thursday nights they had a soul winning class whatever right. that is whatever that is um like you almost have to think about like what's their agenda why would they put you know their church stuff and like if they wanted you to like the lady who gave it to our employee if she really wanted us to come to our church why didn't she just say like hey like I know you don't know me, but I really love my church, and I don't know if you have one, but it would be really awesome if you came. We have this event or, you know, whatever going on this weekend or whatever. hope to see you. This is where you can find it, you know, right. whatever. But just to throw somebody a piece of paper with some scripture and your church on it, 
I don't know, like to me that's more or less like a slap in the face. Yeah, and like you're inviting somebody to church, but you're not necessarily inviting them to Jesus. Right. Right. I agree with that. And I I mean, even still, I don't think inviting someone to church you don't know is a wise decision. Yeah. But just to say, hey, if you ever need anything, just know there's someone out there that's willing to listen and handle your information. You know, even that would go further. Yeah. You know, but the thing is, here's the deal. Most Christians in America, the United States of America, don't want to put their necks out there for someone else. They're willing to throw their church name out there, but they don't want to put their own necks out there because that requires work on their part. And so we do our little comfortable thing of, here is our church tract. This is our church's information. And even outside of church tracts, we do the same thing with mail-outs. You know, come to our little event we have going on. And, and I guess I don't even have such a big deal with mail-outs, but still it's the same thing. It's just an informal invitation. Uh, it's another thing to try to get people in the door. And what it sounds like from someone on the outside, and I can, I feel like I can put myself pretty easily in that perspective because there's so much. I don't even get me started on first-time guest cards. But Cringe-worthy. Yeah, man. I don't, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not filling out your first-time guest card. I'm sorry, I'm not. If I ever come to your church, I'm not filling it out the first time I come there because I don't want you to to hound me about getting plugged in. And maybe not even the second time or the third time. Yeah, if I fill it out at all. Typically, if you're going to get my information, it's going to be because you're going to seek me out as a person and try to get with me on like a personal level. That or you really wanted that person to have your information. Right, that's the only way you're going to get my information. You're not going to get it through your little little sign-up card. Just like you're not going to get it through your little church pamphlets that you hand to me whenever I'm working. And expect me to mail it back to you. Well, that and like putting your there. information out there, like your address and stuff. Like you don't even know this person. You're telling them where that you live. Right. People are particular about their information, you know? Like nowadays, especially with the internet and all the crap that's come down with Facebook and Google and all that about selling our information. Like, you know, it's it's an era where we're trying to be particular about that. And something that I read earlier, I was looking at just like statistics or just information about like, um, people inviting people to church and like the pros and cons of it and as Christians and stuff earlier. And I ran across this quote that somebody had, some blogger had wrote about, there was this guy who was this pastor at a church, but he was talking about um, why we shouldn't invite people to church. And one of his biggest things was like, you shouldn't invite somebody to church unless you invited them to your home first yeah. and like seeking a relationship with that, with them and like, having coffee with them before just like inviting them somewhere and like it was saying as christians like yes like church is important and being able to congregate with fellow believers and worship and stuff but it doesn't stop there and he was saying like you know if somebody invited me to worship with them for about 90 minutes and we both went home like there's still no relationship there that does nothing with our faith you know we were in a room together with like a couple hundred other people, but none of us really talk to each other and like we don't have any relationship. And um, he was just saying like how like church is a tool, but church isn't the ultimate goal. Right. Well, it's no risk, no reward. I mean, if you think about this, guys, everyone out there, listen, I'm going to give you a little piece of dating advice here. Don't ask a girl to a movie for your first date. That is the most inconsiderate thing ever. If all you do is go to movies, 
then you're never going to get to know anyone. And it's the same thing with, like, come to my church. Hey, like, you're cool. Like, you should come to my church so you can sit next to me and sing these songs that you hear, you may hear on Caleb or read out of your little hymnal or whatever the heck you do for worship, you know, if you're traditional or you're post-traditional or you're modern traditional or you have contemporary service or maybe you have a contemporary service uh, and a traditional or maybe you're a blended service. Ooh. Or you just rewrite hymns yeah. to contemporary music. Yeah. So... <laughs> And then you're going to hear uh, 30 to 45 minutes to, uh, of preaching, or if you're, you know, charismatic, maybe an hour, hour and a half. And then you're going to go home. And you're going to shake hands in the parking lot and go home. That's this. I mean, it's just like saying, hey, like, I think you're cute. I kind of like you. I think we should get to know each other. Let's go to a movie. Well, you like, can't talk at all. <laughs> right. You like watching stuff. I like watching stuff. Let's go do this thing where maybe we can hold hands and I can see if your skin texture is nice because that's all you're going to get to do because you can't talk in a movie without getting shushed or yelled at or kicked out. You know, it's just, it's, it's a stupid idea. It's a stupid way to try to, to reach anyone. And it doesn't say like, here's the deal. It is not a church's job to save anyone. And it's not your job. You can't. Right. Like, you can't even I've heard, physically do that. It makes me so mad when I hear people. I, there's, I've heard braggers before. I'm not going to name drop. But I've heard people brag and be like, I saved so-and-so today. Or, like, I was at the mall and I was praying with this person. And like, I saved their soul today. I'm like, no, you didn't. Like, you didn't do anything. You may have been a catalyst that that God used to share his love. But if you think you saved someone, then you're the one that needs some saving. Yeah. And... It's not, it's not cool to expect a church to be the person, well, if I can just get them in the door, they can do the saving. No, the church's job is not that. The church's job is to teach those, read mm -hmm. acts. The church is a group of believers. You know, yeah, it's cool that churches give altar time for people who don't know Christ. Yes, there are people who give their lives to Christ in church. There are people that go there who are curious about God and learn and give their lives to Christ. Sure, but it's not your church's job to preach a salvation message. If the church is wasting its time preaching a salvation message to a congregation, then they probably need to evaluate what it is they're teaching. It's a church. The people there, nine times out of ten, are going to already be, quote-unquote, saved. You know, these are people who are active believers. You don't have 50 new people off the street who never heard about Jesus before. And like I said earlier, we live in the United States where... Anyone and everyone has heard about Jesus. He's not a new idea. We are predominantly a Christian nation. You know, even if you're not a Christian, you're an atheist, a Muslim, a Hindu, whatever, a Buddhist, whatever else, you've you heard about know Jesus. Who he is. You have access, like internet access. Right. Well, and, and world religion is something that's taught in schools. Mm -hmm. Even though it's not just one, you've heard about the different religions. And so... Handing someone a church pamphlet isn't revolutionary material. It's just recycled, rewashed, whitewashed material. Well, that, and if somebody doesn't believe in the Bible and their scripture all over a pamphlet, what does that do for them? Right. That's Oh, wow. They gave me a piece of paper with scripture. Like, like they already don't believe it. They're not going to believe it again. <laughs> right. Oh, just because it's printed on this nice blue piece of paper instead of in the big book. Now, like, that's going to do something. They're so, it's so shallow. 
And just like whenever it's talking about the Great Commission, go and make disciples. Jesus made disciples by gathering a group together, pouring his heart into them, teaching them everything he physically could muster up as man, pouring that out to them on their turn, as they're ready, mind you, because there's a lot of it they had to come back and ask him again and say, what did you mean by this? Like, can you explain this more? And he would have to further digress and explain. He mentored them. That's how relationships work. And that's how Christianity is supposed to work. If you're not willing, just like you said earlier, what you were reading, if you're not willing to open your home up and have a two or three hour conversation with someone about God, then you're not ever in the place to invite someone to church. Before you ever need to invite them to darken the doors of your church, you need, you have to be able to say, hey, let's sit down and have coffee. Let's sit down over lunch or, you know, like, let's come over and just hang out and get to know each other. And a lot of preaching is by your actions. People are going to see something's different about you. People are going to notice. You don't have to be around like, "Mm, look at me. I got Jesus, you know, boastful. Boasting is a sin. You know, that's not helpful to you. Boasting about how awesome God is to you. Like, man, the Lord has blessed me today. Look what I got and you don't. That's word of faith, like blasphemy, basically. You know, you're you're promoting yourself and all you're doing is putting a bitter taste in everyone else's mouth. But in your humble actions, people are naturally going to be drawn to you and they're going to start feeding off of you. You don't have to just walk around, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, a lot of times when I hear a bunch of people dropping Jesus a lot, those are the people that I'm scared of the most. You got those people in conversations that are like super floaty, like they're just walking around like, today I was in the mall and this little old lady came up to me and I just, I just tell you, I was just preaching the word of God to her and we just started praying about her grandkids and everything and that woman was just touched. I'm like, that's cool. Like congratulations, like you just got your reward from it. Not even that, like it's cool, you had that conversation, but why are you bragging about it to me? You know, why are you telling about it to me? Unless I'm asking you, how do you have a conversation with people? You know, like there's no reason for you to walk around like, I got a raise today, the Lord is good. Like, yeah, God is good, but as a ministry tool, that's a pathetic way of sharing the gospel. Because all you're going to do is push people away. Because, you know, you may have a raise and the Lord is good, but this person over here who's trying to follow God, uh, you know, could have just lost their job. Yeah. And you're over here, you know, parading around. And what's it going to make that person feel like? Oh, well, maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe, maybe God doesn't care for me the way he cares for you. And it's going to turn them away from God. But it's by your humble actions. I know there's that quote that says, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. And it's kind of like, like you were saying, like, don't be boastful. Don't say like, Jesus gave me this or whatever. And because he, you didn't get this, you didn't pray enough, you know, but like being humble in your actions, like people will see, you know, who God is and like, you know, how God has changed your life because of how well you treat people, not how well you like, got a raise. Right. Well, I mean, in the Bible, it talks about, like, prayer and fasting and, and good deeds. And it's like, do those things in private that the Lord may reward you in private. But if you do them in public, then you've already received your reward. 
or if you want to take it to like the most popular Bible verse like ever, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It doesn't say, uh, it doesn't say let your mouth be a loudspeaker for your good deeds that they may praise your Father in heaven. It says let your light shine, as in quite literally your life is a light. It is a candle on a hill. You know, you are a bright beacon. Think of a lighthouse where people can find the shore and your actions are a reflection of Christ. And that is what draws people in. And naturally, they'll come to you and they'll start having questions. And you'll build a relationship with these people. And that's what's going to help them deepen uh, their relationship with Christ or find Christ in the first place. And then if they're like, hey, I really need a place to grow more. If you like the church you're in, if you feel comfortable that that's a good fit for them, then say, hey, you're welcome to come to church with me. The thing is, there can't be pressure behind it. There can't be this like guilt, like, hey, like you should really come to church. Like My church is the best church. My church has it all together. You can go to one of them other churches, but my church... No, it's... Listen, your church ain't any better than anyone else's church out there. I'm sorry. There, I mean, there's a lot of churches that are probably pretty sucky, and your church may be awesome, but there are other awesome churches out there, too. You know, there's a million podcasts out there that they can get a lot of Jesus from. Every church out there nowadays got a podcast. Uh, you can steer them in a million different ways, but if they're more of a businessy type person that's a little more laid back, you probably don't want to go throw them off in an AG Jericho march around the building type of church. If you guys are charismatic, you know, jumping, diving into the baptistry, maybe, you know, they don't need to be there if they're more of like the business type. When you just kind of have to know like your audience or know your friends and family in the situations that they're in, because you may have a friend who's like, really wants to join a church and really wants to serve people and be under, you know, an awesome pastoral staff and stuff. And like, if you really think that the church that you're going to is a great fit, like by all means, invite them. And I completely agree. You do need to be able to invite people to church, but you just have to make sure that you do that, that you, uh, that you have church before you ever invite someone to church. You know, if you're not willing to have church in your home, if you're not willing to sit down with them and have a relationship with them before you invite them to your church, then what's the use? You know what I mean? Like, you have to build relationships with people, especially nowadays, whenever trust and and all that is such a, it's a hard thing to get. You have to be able to, to build that trust and that relationship. You have to be willing to give them uh, the opportunity just to see who you are, and sometimes you know, it's those little things. It's those little things like a smile and a wave to someone you may not know that's going to speak so much more than any church tracks ever going to speak. For the love of God, literally for the love of God, please don't hand out church tracks. Because if you're not willing to take the time to build a relationship with that person, you're doing way more harm than good. And let's be really honest. Handing someone a piece of paper and then scurrying out the door is really just a selfish act of trying to wiggle your way out of the Great Commission and give you your little Jesus high, making you feel like you did a good thing for the kingdom of God. When it's kind of like cheating the system. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly cheating the system because you don't actually have to have any kind of discipleship, any one-on-one relationship. There's no commitment to this person. You don't ever have to see them again. 
You don't have to follow up with them. You don't have to hear about their baggage or their struggles, or you don't have to minister to them, quote unquote, waste your breath. You can just hand them a piece of paper and walk out the door and you get your little uh, shot of dopamine, basically, as you leave, knowing that you did this little, quote unquote, good thing for the Lord by furthering the gospel. Well, and then you kind of throw the pressure back onto them because you're like, okay, well, I invited them you know, whatever informal way of your invitation. And so like, if you have to go back to your pastor and he's like, well, how many people did you talk to today? And you're like, oh, I sent out like 20 of these, Mm -hmm. but you only maybe talked to one, you know, like if they do or don't show up to the church, like that's not on you anymore. You already told them about it. Like your deed is done. Like you can go on to the next thing, you know. Exactly. It's a cop-out. They are a cop-out where you don't have to try to to have an actual relationship with people. But the only way, the only way that someone's ever going to come through Christ is to see it first in your actions and for you to have an actual relationship with them, a non-judgmental relationship with them. And honestly, in my opinion, I think Christians suck at ministry because we're not willing to have a relationship with these outsiders. It's an inside versus outside mentality. And the reason evangelism is dying, the very thing that pushes religion forward, the very thing that Christianity is founded on, the main commission of the Bible itself is dying, is because we're stuck in our little selfish comfort trap of not wanting to put ourselves out there for someone else, and B, because we're so scared to have relationship with these sinners, because they're different than us. But Jesus had relate like the people Jesus were around were these people in sin. Jesus didn't all the time just hang out around these perfect saints. As a matter of fact, he shunned the Pharisees because of how perfect and and everything they were. And he chose to hang out with tax collectors and you know, which by the way were considered basically thieves and like the scum of the earth in that time. He hung out with those types of people. Fishermen. What do you associate with a fisherman? Foul language, (laughs) sailor mouth, cursing and swearing and angry. Sweaty. (laughs) And so Jesus hung out with fishermen and tax collectors. How would you like to spend your day as like, oh, I'm this perfect little Christian. I'm going to go hang out with these people who swear like sailors and who tax me to death. No, those aren't liked people. Still, to this day, not liked people. And that's who Jesus chose to hang around. But we have this us versus them mentality where we subtract ourselves and throw little propaganda packets at them, like Germany dropping crap from bombers in World War II trying to sway the votes. And all the while we camp up inside our little shells, you know, hoping to convince the outsiders to trickle through the door. And as soon as they in, you know, they walk through the door, we spray them down with everything to decontaminate them. Uh, from the outsider's way and make them an insider. But we're not willing to go out there, you know, into the into the midst and not be judgmental. Just go out there and say, hey, I'm here. You know, how does a light shine? Does If you had a candle in broad daylight, what would that look like? You wouldn't see the candle. Right. It's or just nothing. Flame. It's just a little flickering something. <laughs> but if you take that candle and you stick it in a pitch black room, it's going to light that dang room up, you know? Or if you, like, take it one step up, if you had a flashlight, you know, you, you're in the dark, you use that flashlight to see, but in daylight, it's just that. It's just this little Pointless. thing. Yeah, it doesn't 
light anything up because everything's already lit up. So in church, you got all these people waving their flashlights around. Look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm lighting up the room. Woohoo. Yeah, we're bright. And then they walk outside and they turn it off and creep and tiptoe through the darkness because they don't want to draw attention to themselves. Just the biggest pile of crap. That is so anti-Jesus, it's not even funny, yet that's the mentality we've started using. I don't even know where that comes from, though. Well, it's comfort. It's the American comfort trap of, I'm going to do my little bit, and I'm going to get my little dopamine hit to try to make myself feel better, because it's all about us. It's all about selfish us. If we can do something that makes us feel like we're pushing the gospel forward, then it makes us feel happy. And it doesn't really matter if any of their souls get saved, because our little uh, body feels good thinking it did something good for the world, when in reality, it didn't do anything. It just pushed its own little selfish agenda forward. Well, and if nothing else, it, like, you just backtracked. Right, but... You have even less people. <laughs> yeah, but it, it makes the same little feeling as checking social media or sending out a tweet that you think is going to change the world. You got your little dopamine hit there. So, church tracks suck. Don't use them. They're stupid. If you ever find yourself about to hand out a church track, take it with you, roll it up into a big tight wad, slap yourself in the face with it, and go in there and have a conversation, dang it. Buy somebody a cup of coffee and sit down with them. Have a conversation. And don't freaking bring up Jesus until the time's right. Amen. We're wrapping this mug up. Deuces. Find us on Twitter, <laughs> underscore TRP Podcast. Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The Reckless Pursuit Podcast. We have a Facebook community where you can gripe us out for saying stuff or tell us more things to say. You can find the details and the link for that below in the show notes. And uh, yeah, what else we got going on? New t shirts. Yeah, Cedar Temple has some new t shirts out. You should check them out for sure. They have a promo coming up right at the end of this episode. One more shout out for them. And with that, be brave, be bold, be reckless. We'll talk soon, guys. This week's episode is brought to you by Cedar Temple Trade Company. Cedar Temple is an apparel and home goods line on a mission to bring curiosity back to the word of Christ with fresh, modern designs. They desire to not just spread the word, but to look good doing it. Their shirts are some of the most comfortable tees you could wear, and they're constantly adding new products and designs to the mix. Oh, and did I mention that Cedar Temple is actually Elaine's and my very own brand? Yeah, that's right. When you order from Cedar Temple, you're helping Elaine and I do what we love and continue in our very own reckless pursuit. Because we are so thankful for all of you who take the time to listen to our show, Cedar Temple is offering a 20% discount on any single item you purchase. Head over to cedartemple.com and use offer code TRPPODCAST in all caps at checkout. That's T-R-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, all caps, at cedartemple.com. Now, go inspire. (laughs) You know...